Good morning. Welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church. We have the honor of having two of our brothers and sisters in Christ come forward for baptism today. And as it is our uh, tradition that we hear their testimony before they're baptized. So first, Alora Brown, video. November 1st, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Before I was a Christian, I was an unforgiven sinner. Now that I know Jesus, I am forgiven. Even though I still mess up sometimes, <clears throat> I know that nothing can separate me from God's love. I am thankful for my mom and dad who have taught who who have taught me about Jesus. I am also thankful for Miss Christie who taught my new Christians class. And my teacher at school, Miss Chege, who also taught me about God. The the Bible says that a tree is known by its fruit. If a tree makes bad fruit, it should be cut down. I want to be like the tree that makes good fruit. I am so glad that I'm a Christian. Amen. We here at Hebrew Baptist are intentionally slow working with parents uh, as their children make a decision to follow Jesus. Uh, Alora came to me and we counseled together. Then she went through a baptism and new members class. And then she went through even more, just talking with her parents. And after we talked for a while and talked with parents, uh, they affirmed that, uh, that Alora has given her life to Jesus and they see him at work in her life. We're so thankful for her testimony. And Alora, because of your testimony before uh, your parents, uh, for this church, we want to baptize you and welcome you into God's family. If there is any of Alora's family and friends that would like to stand at this time, we would love for you to do that here. All right. Alora, upon your profession of faith, my sister, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. So I was raised in a Christian household growing up, and I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. As a child, I really enjoyed reading my Bible, spending as much time with the Lord as I could. In high school, I developed severe anxiety and uh, questioned why God would allow this to happen to me. When I left home for college, uh, I really trusted in God and pursued Him, and uh, finally felt that peace that transcends all understanding, which is talked about in Philippians 4. I got involved with the student ministry and went on a mission trip. I really felt on fire for the Lord. 
life got busy after graduating college. I uh, started a new career. I got married. I bought a house. I let life get in the way. When the pandemic hit, I didn't have that close relationship with Jesus that I once had, and my anxiety, my anxiety returned. Not only did I worry about my health and my loved one's health, but also where it started to worry and spiral out of control, worrying about things that I couldn't control. I started having panic attacks, and my anxiety bled into my work, my marriage, and my relationships. My family were and still are there, continually to remind me uh, that God works for my good and that He loves me. I started to see a big change in November of 2021. I was attending Grace Fellowship Church and was listening to a sermon on Luke 9 where people are coming up to Jesus and they're saying they want to follow him. Jesus told them to follow him, but each person had a different excuse. One person wanted to go bury his father, another wanted to go say goodbye to their family first. Jesus said they weren't fit for the kingdom because they were finding excuses as to why they couldn't start immediately to follow him. I realized I had done the same thing. I allowed life to get busy and told myself that I would return to living a life for Christ when uh, things slowed down. This came with a heavy cost. Stress not only affected my mental health, but also my physical health. Around this time, my neighbor, Pastor Sean Dobbins, invited me to join his life group. I just so happened to see him twice in public away from home. And on that second time, when he invited me to life group, I knew it was God calling me to get more involved. It has been a spiritual battle, but I know I've seen progress, and I know I'm coming out of this uh, battle with fear every day. I find myself getting in the Bible, spending more time in prayer, and putting on the full armor of God every day. I keep Jesus on my mind throughout the week by going to church, life group, and discipleship group, and spending time with them, reading on my own. I live more like a disciple of Jesus rather than just a person who goes to church once a week and forgets what he learned the next day. Through prayer, I've been able to recognize legitimate concerns versus irrational fears that Satan has used to attack me. So Sean Dobbins, Clay Miller, and Colin Crawford were all very influential uh, with me during this time. They all met with me on separate occasions and gave me godly guidance. My wife has been extremely supportive and understanding during this process. My parents have been there for me no matter what. Uh, whatever time of the day I called, they were always there to answer and be there for me. These people have been helping me rebuild my life from a solid rock rather than the sand. And the most influential person during this time has obviously been Jesus. Because of him, God has forgiven my backsliding and has loved me freely, as it says in Hosea 14.4. Caleb, my brother, has come as he has, wants to get his baptism on the right side of his salvation and show the world uh, that he is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Caleb, upon your... Oh, first of all, family and friends, would you stand up uh, as you support Caleb? Caleb, as my faithful brother in Christ, as your testimony among us all, we baptize, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in likeness of his death, raised him up. morning as we reset a little bit. Um, we're going to begin our sort of formal time of worship together with that constantly in our memory. 
uh, reading from God's Word. So let's, uh, if you would, stand, and we're going to read God's Word to one another from Psalm 45. We're going to read verse 6 and 7, and then verse 17 all together. And I believe the children are dismissed to children's ministry. If you are still waiting to hear from that, that's the time is now. Uh, So let's read this together. Your throne, God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy more than your companions. I will cause your name to be remembered for all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. Thanks for reading. Let's grab a seat as the choir leads us.
Amen. Would you stand to your feet? And let's encourage one another with these words.
together. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name.
give glory to his name. He is worthy. Grab a seat. Well, good morning. What a great day it is. Good morning. Hope you are doing so well. Welcome to Hebrew and Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. For some of this, this may look like entering into a relationship with God. For some, as we saw this morning, it might look like being faithful by being baptized. For others, it might look like entering into a, a, a membership at a local church or growing in our ability to share our faith, on and on. Wherever we are, we want to encourage everyone to take our next steps toward Christ. Well, my name is Alan, and it is so great to join with you all in worship today. If you're a guest here today, we are so glad that you're here. Welcome. We want to extend a special welcome to you. We love to get to know you, and one way that we can do that is through a Connect card. It looks like this. This is a card that's sitting in the pew in front of you. If you would pull this out and fill this out, this will let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can be serving you. Then after service, if you exit through these central doors, you can turn left. There you'll see our next steps desk. There you can turn this card in, meet someone who'd be happy to answer any questions that you may have about our church, and who would love to give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you're here. As always, we like to encourage worship through giving. If you'd like to give, there's a few ways that you can do that. One way is by pulling out a card that looks like this. This is also in the back of the pew in front of you. This is our online giving card. With this card, you can scan that QR code that'll take you to our online giving page. If you prefer to give in person, there are black boxes on the back of the wall here in the sanctuary. You can drop a, a gift in. If you'd like, you can write to P.O. Box 92, Heber, Kentucky, 41048, or you can drop into the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 430, or Friday, 9 to noon. Well, we're going to transition now to a moment of prayer. I invite you to please pray with me. Good morning, Heavenly Father. Lord, we have so much to praise you and thank you for. We thank you for the picture that you've given to us this morning of your call upon us to go from death to life because of the sacrifice of Jesus, that he's opened the way for us to enter into a relationship with you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And this morning, Lord, we pray specifically for our church's core value of biblical faithfulness. We thank you for the gift of your word, of the pages of the Bible, that you've not been silent to us, but you've spoken to us through the pages of Holy Scripture. Your words are like a love letter to us. And it's in your word and the pages of the Bible that we read of what you've done for us through the ministry of Jesus, for his victory over death, for his resurrection, for the hope that he gives all who trust in him. Thank you for revealing the, the road to, to hope and healing to us through your word. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to respond to the gift of your word with faithfulness, with faithfulness to you. I pray that with each day that you would help us to treasure your word more and that it would be the place that we would continue to re return to in our personal devotions, in our life groups, in our D groups, in our just daily conversations with each other, that your word would be the place we would go to for life and rest. Lord, we pray this morning not only for ourselves, but for the Richard family, for Chris and Rhonda, Hannah and Kinley. We thank you for this amazing family that you've called out of our church body to international missions. And we thank you, Lord, that they are now in Argentina. 
We pray that you would bless them, that you would use them, Lord. Be, be with them, Lord, as, as they're adjusting to a new place, making new friends, building new relationships. We ask that you would give them wisdom as they put together a strategy of prayer for their Berea or, or their area. We pray specifically for Hannah and Kinley, Lord, as they're in a new school and just adjusting to new things. Would you please be with them in a powerful way? We pray that you would use them, God, that great fruit would come through them. Lord, please allow churches to be planted, allow people to come to know you as Savior. And Lord, we pray that you would comfort and bless Chris and Rhonda, being so far from, from here, but Lord, we pray that you would be so near to their hearts now. Our hearts continue, Lord, to go up to you asking for peace when we think of the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. We ask that you would be present there amongst the civilians, amongst the government leaders. We pray for wisdom. We pray for peace. Lord, would you please reach out and provide for the needs of those who have great need, who have experienced great loss, uh, who, are, who are mourning the death of family members, who are needing simple necessities, parents trying to provide for their children. Please, Lord, be with them now. We pray that you would provide relief workers and missionaries, members of local churches who can go and serve. We pray you would put that call and open the door for that to happen. We pray that even in this dark time that you would allow your good news to go forth, that people would come to know you as Savior in this time. Be with our brothers and sisters, people trusting in Jesus there in Ukraine now. Please provide for them. Strengthen their walk with you. Please be present with them. A little closer to home, Lord, our hearts lift up to you as we think about the recent passing of Roy Gaddy. We pray that you would be with his family, for Nancy and their kids, for friends and family. And we thank you that we get to grieve and hope. Lord, hope that you, Jesus, have broke the power of death and opened up the way for all of your, your followers to experience eternal life. We thank you for that. Lord, we, we pray for Linda Davis with her health, we pray for her upcoming brain surgery. We ask that it would be a success. Please be with Linda, comfort her, be with her family as they care for her, be with doctors as they also care for her and, and perform surgery uh, upcoming this week, it seems like. We ask that your hand of healing would be upon Linda. We also praise you, Lord, for the surgery that Jared Haddo had recently for the success as uh, his, his uh, ACL was being repaired. And we pray that you'd be with him now as he recovers. For Heather and the kids as they support him, please be with them now in this time of healing. Finally, Lord, we come to you with our greatest need, and that is that we have sinned against you, a holy God. We deserve your judgment, but in your mercy, you have sent Jesus, who lived a perfect life where we have failed. He did not. We thank you for his death, his sacrificial, substitutionary atonement on the cross that he who deserved not to be judged was judged in our place. We deserve to be there, Lord, on that cross, but he bore your wrath in our place. Thank you for this amazing gift. We pray that you would wash us clean of our sins. We put our trust in you, and we repent of our sins. We pray that our relationship with you would be vibrant, Lord, and we thank you for your great love for us. We continue to worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good news to know that God's goodness is better than our badness? God is more righteous and holy and good than we could ever be sinful or hateful or deserving of wrath. And so that's, as we take comfort in that we've confessed our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness, let's stand to our feet and sing together of the grace of the Lord Jesus.
sing that again, just the voices, grace, grace. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. Do you believe that? Let's make this next song our prayer. Your heart, 
as we hear from his word. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm Pastor Shaw, pastor here at Hebron Baptist Church, and we are glad. Uh, what a great way to spend a day worshiping the Lord. Amen. Uh, two, coming baptized, worshiping God through song and through prayer and through his word. Uh, if you would, turn in your copy of God's word or into your devices or on your devices to Isaiah chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. If you would like to follow along in the translation that I am reading from, it's page 600. 600. It'd be easiest to find 601 because 600 doesn't have a number on the top, so you have to assume that's 600, but you can go there in the Pew Bible and you can read along with it. Today we are beginning a series through the first 12 books of Isaiah. Uh, we here at Hebrew Baptist go through books of the Bible, and today, this week, we're starting kind of a 12-week journey through uh, Isaiah, and uh, we're going to look at God's message through the prophet of Isaiah to the kingdom of Judah. And in the very first uh, verse, we see that Isaiah was a prophet during the span of four different kings. Some of those kings did right in the eyes of the Lord. Some of those kings did right only in their own eyes. But the message of God is clear, and it is a message for us, even today in the 21st century, that we see him who he really is, that we get to see ourselves truly, that we get to turn to the grace and the love of God he extends to us. And that is the, the kind of the arc of these first 12 chapters that we see who we are, we see who God is, and we see a welcoming God who welcomes us to himself. And today, we are asking or looking into God's word that we might get a new self-awareness, a new self-awareness. So we're going to read all nine verses right now, and then we'll kind of come back and, and camp out throughout there. So if you would, uh, I am going to read, and you can follow along in your copy. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, 
Saul during the reigns of King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah of Judah. Listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master feeding trough, but Israel does not know my people do not understand. O oh, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, depraved children. They have abandoned the Lord and they have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on him. Why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? The whole head is hurt, the whole heart is sick, from the sole of the foot even to the head. No spot is uninjured, wounds, welts, and festering sores, not cleansed, bandaged, or soothed with oil. Your land is desolate, your cities burned down, foreigners devour your fields right in front of you, a desolation like a place demolished by foreigners. Daughter Zion is abandoned like a shelter in a vineyard, like a shack in a cucumber field, like besieged city. If the Lord of armies had not left a few survivors, we would be like Sodom. We would resemble Gomorrah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today as we enter and come to your word, we know that it is the very words of you, God. And from it, we have truth. We have life-changing truth. God, I pray through your spirit that you would enable each of us to understand that each of us to, to receive and each of us to be changed. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. On our phones, through many different apps, we have different filters that we can take selfies with, right? We can take these filters. I know that my wife and son can spend some time doing the goofy ones that turn you into different things, that put mustaches or sunglasses, that maybe even turn you into a unicorn if you want. These filters can, can make you look differently, but also these filters can cover any blemishes that you might have, brighten the skin, lighten the eyes, make us to look different than we really are. In these selfies, we can actually get trapped if we take too many of them, present a certain vision, that we present something about ourselves that, aren't really, that isn't really true. We can put on a persona in these pictures that aren't really us. I mean, I don't see any unicorns sitting around here. But also, we put on a thing that covers anything that could possibly be wrong with us well this is true about a lot of things in our life isn't it that we can cover of a lot of things in our life that we put out to be only the good only what's fixed only which fits in and it hides the reality of who we are when we see the bible and we see this message of isaiah we understand that we need to take the filters off or the, 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 the things that we have put on falsely to have a true self-awareness of our spiritual state. We need a godly view of our sinful hearts. You see, we need to actually take into account who we really are and how sinful we really are. We shouldn't fear it. We shouldn't resent it. It's not destructive, it's actually life-giving. 
Often, what are we told about this world? You need a better self-esteem. It's whispered to us. Think better of yourself. Look better of yourself. And even though that might come with well intentions, that is actually false. The reality is, as we understand ourselves as Christians, we don't need a higher view of ourselves. We actually need more humility and we need more Christ esteem instead of self esteem. What if God wants to show us what's wrong? What if God thinks what we've done wrong is worse than what we think? What if God wants to talk about it because he has a remedy for us? What if God wants to point it out because we see our self-protection, but instead it's become self-imprisonment? God lovingly confronts us with the truth that is embarrassing enough to save us. And this is what the first 12 chapters of Isaiah does. God is speaking truth into Judah, his very people, to give them a reality check, an awareness of who they are. It starts understanding how sinful they are, but it ends in a way to see, oh, there is something better in store in me instead of staying in your sinfulness. He's telling the people, the nation of Judah, the true spiritual status of the people that is far from them and giving them a reality check. So let's not be fooled by our polished appearances. Let us not be fooled by our stylish theories because that can be the death of us. The unflattering portrait of Isaiah 1 is God's way of disturbing us just enough that we would ask courageous Godward questions that can give us new life. God wants to be a surgeon that can cut out the things that harm us the most so that we can have a healthy life in him. It may be painful, but it leads to life. It may hurt at first, and it may be unflattering, but it leads to joy. Brother, sister, is there something in your life that you need to admit before Lord and someone else that is causing you unflattering and unfiltered pain and separation from God? Is there something that is weighing you down and a new self-awareness in your life would actually unleash you, unchain you, and bring you to the freedom that you desire? Well, when we look at these verses, there are three things that we see about ourselves. So, if we're taking a selfie, a snapshot through God's word, this is what we see. Number one, we are rebels and have forgotten our master. We are rebels and we have forgotten our master. Now, we're not talking about the rebels of Star Wars. We are talking about rebels who have disowned, disobeyed, and turned from God. We trivialize our choices, don't we? We don't think they matter much. We think that we make a mistake. Oh, it's just, you know, humanity. Oh, it's not a big deal. But when we read these words, what do we see? That there is no greater tragedy to God than his children rebelling against him. Sometimes we need to reorient our lives and see the cosmic impact of our sin before God. 
It takes God speaking here to get our attention. What happens in verse 2? Listen, heavens, pay attention, earth, for the Lord has spoken. God is saying, listen, pay attention. This is your true self before me. And what does he say? It's almost painful when you read it. My children, I raised them and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Speak to a brother or sister in Christ who has seen their child rebelled against God and gone far away, and you would just touch the pain that God sees when his children rebel against him. My children, God again and again tells us he is betrayed. This is a betrayal worse than Brutus betraying Caesar. God is saying, at two children, you would turn against me? In verse 3, what does he go even further? My people do not understand. God's very chosen nation, his people that he has slaved, uh, uh, saved from slavery, his people in which he has died for, saved, reject him. So when we minimize each sin or say, hey, we're just trying, we have trivialized the pain that we are causing God. We need a better view that we are all sinners and we are against a holy God. Me and my D group, we're reading through Romans and we've only got through Romans chapter three and if you really want a good picture of yourself, you'll see yourself there. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter three, it says, uh, what then are we better off not at all for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin and as it is written there is no one righteous not even one there is no one who understands there is no one who seeks God all have turned away all alike have become worthless there is no one who does what is good not even one their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers' venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are their paths, and the paths of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul writes in Romans that this is our true selves. If we were to hold up the cosmic selfie, this is what we would see of all of us. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no male or female. There is none of us who are outside knowing who we are in our sinful selves. We have deceived ourselves. God goes on through his words to say that even animals have shown us how foolish we are. He talks about in verse 3, he says... Um, so, excuse me, yeah, verse three. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's feeding trough. He's saying that even the animals know who, who their owners are and they follow him and they know, but we are wretched and reject our owner's word. I've seen enough wreck soccer in my day to see that sometimes soccer players can get wrapped up in their own ability and looking down at the ball instead of looking at the field to get confused 
One time I saw a, a boy get the ball, his soccer ball, and he, he thought this was his opportunity to shine. He was dribbling the ball. He was going. He was so focused on himself and showing off his skills. He kept going. He cut off everything around him, the shouts of his coaches, the fans, his teammates, because he was heading towards the wrong goal. He had forgotten which team he was on and scored on his own goal, in essence, playing for the other team. How often do we get caught up in our own skills and ability that we ignore God in our lives? Brothers and sisters, if there has been nothing that you have been repented of or convicted of in your sin in a long time, I would be concerned I would be concerned that you have not had a true awareness of who you are. If you have not been able to see yourself and, and seen something in your own heart, something in your own life that you need, you cry out to God and say, God, help me in this area. Help fix me. Forgive me. I repent of this and I want to change. If you have not done this, it's time to readjust your, mem your mirror because you have a blind spot. That blind spot is your own heart. You have so maybe even excused your sin that you are rejecting the voice of the shepherd. Today in the word, today we see that God is telling us to get a new self-awareness of ourselves. You need to take account of your life and see what is it that is displeasing to God that you are rejecting that even in a little way that you have become your own little g god today you need to take account of your life in your quiet time seek god show me reveal to me how i am displeasing you and doing so you gain a new self-awareness of your sin secondly if we're taking a cosmic selfie what do we see Number two, our sin has wounded us. Our sin has wounded us. Now, I'm dating myself a little bit by admitting this, that uh, one of my favorite original video games to play was Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And there was a way that you had to play it. You had to duck the hit. You had to swipe left and right. And you, when you get down, you had to press A, B, A, B, A, B, B, so you get up off the mat. And in the cutscene, how well you were doing was shown by, uh, by uh, Little Mike. Little Mike is the, uh, uh, the boxer. And in the cutscene, if you were really beaten up, each cutscene got worse. I mean, like one week, you know, if you're doing well, the first one, you might have a little, little egg right here. But by the third round, if you're really getting beaten up, you, you know, got a, 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 a Band-Aid and, you know, really both eyes are kind of like rocky at the end. You know, you can barely see his face. Well, this is in some ways what God is telling us and warning us is that if we're not careful that we allow sin, we are allowing a sin and allowing sin to wound us. Verse 5, what does it say? Why do you want more beatings? <laughs> Why do you keep on rebelling? Your whole head is hurt. Your whole heart is sick. 
From the sole of your foot even to your head, there is no spot uninjured, wounds, welts, and festering sores, not cleansed, bandaged, or soothed with oil. God is telling us the reality of the impact of sin on our life. Unfortunately, many times when we know that there's sin in our lives, we think we can control it. We think it's like a little pet that it comes and, oh, isn't it cute? And when I want to get rid of it, I will, but, uh, uh, and, but oftentimes we don't. We also don't realize the effect of the sin on us. We sometimes are like Billy in the movie Gremlins. We bring the cute mogwai in and he's all cute. We think that sin is really cute. Then we feed it, and all heck breaks loose because it's a green gremlin destroying us and biting us and beating us down. When we allow sin to fester in our lives, we forget the impact, the hurt it has on us. That it affects our head, how we think about things. It affects our relationships. It affects our soul. Sin shows themselves and, and shows how we begin to use angry words the festering sores are the issues and problems that are laying under the surface waiting to be revealed and burst when the consequence is revealed often we look at God's word and we see a list of do's and don'ts and instead what we should do as God's people is we should see his do's and don'ts as a way of life as a Christian looks at God's word, they don't see a list of do's and don'ts. They see this path of life. When we come to a choice in our life, often we see just a, 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 a choice between a momentary joy or a joy that is long earned. Oftentimes when we see this, we, see, uh, we choose the quickest, most easy path to reduce the pain or reduce uh, the anxiety. And oftentimes that path is the one that is more sinful and avoids destroying sin in our life. And it's often a path that leads to death. But the one that is repentant, the one that is harder, the one that is longer, the one that takes many more steps for us to get right with God usually leads to life. And brothers and sisters, when we see our true selves, when we see the sin and what it does, we need to start down that path of walking out of sin, walking into trueness, true and newness of life. We know that in the long run that it might start as pain, but it leads to life. And we need to realize that sin is hurting us if we don't start down the path of restoration. The rest of this chapter that we don't have time to get over. If you start to read through chapter, verses 16 to the end of the chapter, God starts to show how this sin not only affects us personally, but starts to affect other things. It affects our worship how our hypocrisy, how our, our sin inter, intervenes because it separates us from God, that, that our, worth, our worship is worthless. It goes on to say that it changes our character, that we go from someone who chases after God and someone who has good character to someone who has bad one. Sin wounds and damages our lives, our joy, our peace and our reputation 
He ends by saying there in that verse, there's no oil on it. There's nothing helping it heal. Isn't it good to know that we have a God who wants to heal us? Isn't it good to know when we truly admit what our problem is, just like going to the doctor and admitting there's something wrong, that we get something to help us in the same way we can go to God and that can get us out of this sinful life and begin to heal us? Later in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah wrote, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Isn't it good to know that when we truly admit our sin, that God is speaking to us freedom and life and healing our broken hearts. Isaiah goes on to give another image here in these next few verses. Uh, in verse 7 through 8, he gives a picture of the land, but really of a nation. He gives this image where he says, your land is desolate, your cities are burned down. He is showing that the nation is actually in humiliation over the rejection of God. Now, though some see this as a literal prophecy, you see the term light used often is, is a figurative sense. God is saying that because collectively we have chosen sin, collectively we have disobeyed God, that we are in a humiliation state. Compare that to what the Bible teaches about Christians and his church. What does he describe us as? A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who have called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. But what does Isaiah say? This two pictures don't add up. One that is in sin and who has given over ourselves to excuse sin and live in sin is a humiliation of who we really are supposed to be. God is warning us that not only is sin a personal fight, but it's a collective fight. It's one that we must throughout together in the local church among other believers realize that sin affects all of us. That is the reason throughout the New Testament that Jesus and the other uh, writers of the, of the New Testament talk about the seriousness of dealing with sin in our midst. In 1 Corinthians 5, when Paul tells us that we need to deal with the sinners in our own midst, believer who is sinning, ignore those who are not Christians because they have no righteousness to stand on, but instead, those who are impacted and forgive, who are taking part in sin in our own midst. The church that is on defensive, the church that is pitiable, exposed, cornered, and influenced and diminished by sin is helpless to fulfill God's redemptive work in the world. And it reminds us that God has all called all of us, each one of us, to put our hearts and to put our lives in the hands of other believers so they can help us fight sin and pursue holiness. 
That is why it's so important for us as we at Hebrew Baptist Church talk about being in a, in a D group that we can have two other people in our lives looking into it that we admittedly say, here's who we are. Correct me. Pray for me. Hold me accountable. That we're in a life group that we talk about real life things throughout the week in a larger group that we can say, hey, this is how I'm going to live God's word this week. I want you to check with me next week and make sure that I'm living this out. It is a team sport that God has put us in that we put off sin and live for God you know this is very hard for us to do isn't it to speak into each other's life and be real with one another it begins with someone having a open heart to receive godly love and correction it also takes someone willing to step out you know that feeling that we get when the person across from us has a uh, lettuce? You can tell what they had for lunch because it's in their teeth. And you're in that awkward moment. Hmm, do I say something about that now? Uh, when does it get too awkward for me to speak out on it? You have that feeling in your pit of the stomach. When are you going to say something? We kind of have that same feeling when we know that something is going on in the life of someone else. But instead of just saving someone embarrassment by pointing out what's in their teeth, brother and sister, we are keeping our friend, our brother and sister in Christ on a road that leads to death, destruction, and hell. And we need to get over that feeling. We need to encourage one another. Brother and sister, is there a sin that is wounding you today? Is there a sin in your life that is ravishing a relationship? Is there an, something that is keeping you from an effective Christian life, from evangelizing? Is there a sin robbing you of joy or peace? Brother and sister, don't keep allowing it to fester. Don't allow it to become a sore. Don't allow it to keep beating you up release yourself you have the power of god and the holy spirit you are no longer slaves to sin don't allow that sin to have that power over you so once we have this cosmic selfie once we have a proper perspective on ourselves the understanding of how harmful sins can be then that god gives us the grace to see who he is and extending his love for us. God, number three, God saves us and will heal us through his son. Verse nine, it says, if the Lord of armies had not left a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. You know, it's a miracle that the church survives at all. It's a, it, it's a miracle that that we as Christians can make it on our own, but we survive not because it's in us. We survive because it is God in us. He is the omnipotent Lord of hosts. 
The church survives because God is saving sinners. God is living in us and apart from God and his work in us, preserving us by his grace, that we would be living the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, that we would be one wiped out. But instead, by God's grace, he has saved a remnant. He has saved a few. He has saved some that is faithfully following and loving him. This is the God we have to deal with. He can wound us and he can heal us. He would rather heal us. And so we should ask the question, if we know who we are, why don't we turn to him? This is the good news for wounded people. That God sees us in our wounds of our sin and yet in our place wounded his very son so that we might be saved. Later in the book of Isaiah, it says, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punished for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Brothers and sisters, if you came to this text and as I read this this week and I saw myself and I saw my sin and I saw the place where I've been disobedient with God, what it caused me to do is to reach out to the hand of grace who heals me, who loves me, to a Savior who died for me. You see, we can be convicted of a million little sins without ever experiencing healing from God. What it takes is for us to understand our sins is against God, then we can turn to that God and receive the healing he hands out to us. And it's by faith that we trust in Christ, that we repent and agree with God, that we turn to sin and receive forgiveness from Christ who has died for us. Later in chapter 1, Isaiah says, "Come, let's settle this," says the Lord. Though your sins were scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are like crimson red, they will be like wool. Brother and sister, that is what awaits those of us who see us ourselves rightly. That we can turn to a Savior who redeems us. Friend, if you are here today by invitation of a friend or inexplicably, God got you here this morning and you realize that you are far from God or that you realize by what God's word has said that you have allowed sin to beat you up constantly and yet you have never put it to death. Well, here's good news for you today. That by God's grace, if you receive him, trust in him by faith, Today, you who are far from God can be brought near. That even though your sins are like scarlet, today they could be white as snow. Trust in Christ today and be redeemed. No one here who is a Christian could, could say that they were sinless. They came to Christ knowing that they weren't perfect, but instead came to the perfect one who died for them. And we trust in him 
that he can make us whole. So today, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where your cosmic selfie shows who you are, you can come to the loving embrace of Christ. And today you can be saved. And today you can be healed. Today you can start on the path that leads to joy and peace. Oh, because there is no sweeter and lovelier name than a God who has seen us in our sin and came to redeem us. Everett Harrison observed of this, that there is no word in the Christian vocabulary that deserves to be held more precious than Redeemer. For even more than a Savior, it reminds the child of God that his salvation has been purchased at a great personal cost. For the Lord has given himself for our sins in order to deliver us from them. So brother and sister, why do we need a new self-awareness? Because it is then and only then that we realize we need a Redeemer. Only then will we trust his ways and remove what hurts us in our lives. And only then can we be truly free. Brother, sister, I encourage you what you have dealt with today and this week as you think through these words. Share with your D group or life group a sin that is putting you on the path to death or uneasiness or, or war within relationships or with yourself. Take off the filters that you've put on your life to reveal your true self so that you might receive the forgiveness that God is granting you in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for these words. They are warnings, but they are warnings of love. They are warnings that help us see so we might receive the grace and truth of forgiveness that we might instead going down a path that leads to harm and destruction receive the joy and grace and peace that comes in you God if there's a believer here someone who is following you that is allowing excusing or keeping sin in their life I pray that they would repent because they know of a great Savior who has died for them. If there's someone here that does not know you, I pray, God, that they would see the wonderful love of a Creator God that though we have rebelled against Him, was willing to die for them so that we might receive forgiveness of sin. God, work in our hearts, our souls, and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. And take a moment to rejoice in the price that has been paid for our redemption.
thine all in all. Jesus made it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, he washed it by the sun. Let's watch this video together. Hold on, Sean. Created. That's what I just said. Designed. Empowered. 
you ready to open up a world of artistry and innovation? Then join us for VBS 2022. those creative juices flowing. Spark Studios is the place where imagination is ignited and creativity is awakened. Kids will learn that they have been created, designed, and empowered to use their talents to bring glory to God. And they will learn that God's creativity didn't stop in Genesis. The master artist is working to redeem, reclaim, and transform us, his creation, to the design he planned for us. At Spark Studios, kids will get creative at the Worship Rally Imaginarium, Bible Study Studio, Crafts Design Center, Missions Workshop, Music Soundstage, Recreation Station, and Snack Pavilion. As they get excited about the talents God has given them, they'll discover the beauty of Ephesians 2.10, that they are His workmanship and a masterpiece in process. Join us this summer to spark imagination and kick creativity into high gear at Spark Studios. Okay, now time for announcements. Uh, that video is to remind us that Bible school is coming up, and uh, we need uh, about 18 guides who will walk kids ages 4th through 5th grade to each station. So that is our major need right now. We have about 18 spots for that, and we need about four people that will help with snacks. So praise the Lord, we have already a lot of volunteers who are taking a lot of spots for the teaching and for other areas. But if you could go today, right after our service, and uh, either Christy will be there or Scott or somebody might be there uh, to sign up to help. It's coming up. It's the very last week of June. And uh, we have here at Hebrew Baptist Church uh, somewhere between 150 to 200 kids from our community that show up for Bible school. So we need all hands on deck. And if you can grow extra arms between now and then, we will appreciate it. Uh, but no, come and sign up to help uh, and make sure that you sign up uh, for that. Also, there are two uh, things. One, today is the deadline to let us know that you'll be part of our 60th anniversary celebration and luncheon. That is May 22nd. Now, if you're coming to worship service, great. You come normal, you'll not experience anything different. We'll just be talking a lot about what God has done over the last 60 years. But right after service, we will be having a luncheon. It's going to be a good barbecue luncheon with all the country fixings and uh, also some chicken for the kids who don't like barbecue. Uh, but you can come, what we need to know, so we can plan for the food. So Kay will be outside in the foyer. Make sure if you have not given your reservation uh, to give one, that to her today, as today is the deadline for that. Uh, in two weeks, this is not in your bulletin, so we're letting you know now, right after church service, there will be a business meeting at, uh, right after church service on May 15th. So not next week, because it's Mother's Day, hint, hint, fellas, uh, that, but the next week, We'll be having a business meeting, and so uh, make sure that you plan to stick around. It should not be a long one, uh, so uh, it will be right after service. Uh, also, uh, if you have been visiting or been attending Hebron Baptist 
and you've been thinking about joining, we'll be having our new members class the 18th and 25th. That is Wednesday nights, 6.30 to 8. You need to attend both classes uh, to fulfill the membership requirement. Uh, but this class is one of my favorite things because I get to meet all the new people, but you get to know about our vision and what we are as a church. So it's coming up May 18th and 25th. If you would like to attend this, please go by the Next Steps desk, which is out these double doors to the left. Let them know that you plan to attend. And today, pick up, you will need to pick up a form and a book that you will need for the first class. So that is important that you do that today. And finally, uh, student camp is going to have a meeting, a brief meeting right after church uh, here in the sanctuary, so in about 10 minutes so you can get your kids meet back here for that. I think I got everything. Uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you for thanking us together as we go to God's word, thinking who we truly are, but not staying there and in our guilt and shame, but looking up to the cross that saves. May you go in peace, the name of Jesus, as you leave. God bless.